1: To Essential NPCs, the podcast where we sample some of the best and possibly some of the worst tabletop RPGs. I'm Tommy and I'm Addie, and you're listening to Series 5, Episode 18 The Ties That Bind.
0: And let's start it off with some announcements.
1: One well, announcement to be particular we've mentioned it the past few weeks. This is the final week for post game chatter. At the end of the finale, Episode 20. We will sit down the cast, have a little chat about how we feel about the campaign, and then answer questions from the listeners. So we want you, the listeners, to send in some questions. You have until episode 19 drops. Uh, You have until the end of the day on October 3rd to submit your questions. That's when episode 19 comes out, October 3rd.
0: Uh, so send us questions about Shadowrun or this campaign in particular or questions that you have as a GM or player or uh, just about uh, anything that we've done up until this point on the podcast.
1: If you submit a question for postgame chatter, we will answer it. So get those in by uh, the end of the third, guys. Uh, listen to episode 19 and then kind of think about what kind of questions you might want answered about RPGs in general.
0: And you can send those questions to essential NPCs podcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at slash essential NPCs, or you can find us on SoundCloud um, at essential NPCs.
1: We got a lot of great questions the past couple series. I want to keep that up. So please
0: send in a bunch of questions. And with that, let's move on to Words with the GM. Hello. Hello, GM. Hello. This Words with the GM yeah. is about Series 5, Episode 17, Home Sweet Home.
1: Yes, the beginning of uh, you guys investigating the mystery of uh, of Kashmir's video that he sent you guys.
0: Yeah, and he left us some presents.
1: His super cool weapon focus. Uh, and that cute little picture of you guys with uh, spirit formula written on the back of it.
0: Yeah, I was thinking more along the lines of like toxic glow rats, but yeah. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Hey, you don't know if Cashmere left those for you. He left those for us. Yeah, uh, glow rats, a fun little uh, monster from the Howling Shadows source book for Shadowrun. There's a whole section in that book of irradiated creatures.
0: Yeah, what's interesting about the glow rats... Um, is that they're pretty tough. And by that, I mean tough on you if you get hit by them. I, I assume, not knowing their hit points, they seem pretty squishy. Too.
1: Oh, yeah. Once you hit one, it's pretty much going to die if you're hitting it with like a firearm of any kind. Uh, they they don't have that, that many hit points. Their body is like two. They have no armor, that kind of thing. Uh, because they're rats at the end of the day. They're still just big you know meter sized rats with spider legs but still rats <laughs> nonetheless <laughs> but uh that that's kind of what makes them an interesting enemy to fight uh cuz When you're GMing and you're trying to think of what kind of encounters to throw at your players, you always want to try and mix it up and not just make it like, you guys found some more gangers to run into. You guys found some more gangers to fight. Like, you know, it gets a little boring to always have like the same kind of like enemies going around. And that's where like monster manuals come in handy a lot. Um, But then at that point, like once you have super powerful characters, you can start running into problems where, you know, every fight has to be a giant monster that you know takes forever to fight you know like a, a mini boss fight every single time mm-hmm. it's hard to have there be quick little skirmishes with uh beasts and still make it interesting once people are leveled up to a certain point. And that's where uh, something like Glow Rats can be really, really interesting to throw out, because inherently they're not hard to kill. They can hit you real hard due to the fact that they kind of can cloak themselves, so they're harder to spot. So surprise attacks, as we've learned in Shadowrun, are very deadly. Um, And then on top of that, uh, they're... Spit doesn't just do damage, it also lays on status effects. Like Nim was nauseous, which, you know, makes it even harder for you to achieve things. Also, it was acidic, so it, like, weakened her armor.
0: I mean, I had this experience, too, running RPGs before, is that you can find and or augment baddies that your players have faced before, but have them with different abilities, um, especially things that can confer Status effects. I mean, that's kind of what makes a uh, the D and D beholder so terrible. Is that they can paralyze you, or freeze you, or they basically it's a status effect monster. And uh, a great way to get creative, I've found, and obviously you found with these super interesting, horrible hitting <laughs> glow rats, is that um, monsters don't have to be bigger, tougher, stronger. You can add new aspects to them that make them potentially even scarier uh, than just the the big you know kind of tank with all the hit points
1: Uh, yeah because you don't always want every combat to be a giant set piece that takes up a whole session and I'm not sure but I think Nim may have developed a phobia of definitely acid but <laughs> but glow rats as well because they happen to spit acid and all I really did was hit her once and give her a status effect and now they're the most terrifying thing you guys have faced <laughs> so look around in your monster manuals and and uh if there's not something that really caters to what you're aiming for as a gm you can uh tweak things and add like be like this bandit has like a magic dagger that makes you go blind when you get stabbed or or makes your legs go numb
0: (laughs) yeah don't be afraid to cobble together um two monsters or just status effects that come from the monsters or baddies that your guys are fighting
1: yeah it can make a fight a lot more dynamic but apart from being ambushed by glow rats uh i want to know what your favorite part was
0: Uh, My favorite part was actually um, something that we try to encourage on the podcast and then I also love to see in our home games is when something mechanical is conferred on somebody like a background count for Nim. Um, And instead of just taking that as a, well, I have a minus six now, they actually apply it to their character um, uh, when they're role playing. And so Brie as Nim was like, oh, I feel sick and oh, I feel gross and uh, <laughs> can we get out of here? I hate it and and it was great because that's what the background count is supposed to do. Yeah, um, but you know you can just be like, oh, well, I have a minus six, so I'm gonna roll. Hey guys, let's go look over here, mm-hmm. uh, kind of thing. Um, and so uh, one of my very favorite things to see is uh, people taking the mechanical parts of an RPG and applying them to their role play.
1: Yeah. Bree, this whole series has been really good at uh, role playing into the descriptions I give her for when she senses things and how the astral feels.
0: Yeah. I love that. Um, but what about you? What was your favorite part? Oh, I don't know. Maybe
1: it was uh, <laughs> Jerry. Definitely Jerry. It's
0: always Jerry. <laughs> Jerry's a rock star. Yeah.
1: It's always fun to do Jerry. And I, I know he's one of Dan's favorite NPCs in the podcast, uh, which helps because that means he calls them up all the time. (laughs) Uh, I also liked uh, that part specifically because it gave me an angle towards something mechanical also, Uh, because it's always fun to role play Jerry and be silly and and have Jerry just like buy into whatever Bumble sells him. Such a brutal glitch. (laughs) But additionally, I had a, a stroke of inspiration in the middle of that exchange you guys have throughout this campaign and the last one been accumulating a, a mechanical thing called public awareness, and uh it's getting pretty high. And you guys aren't quite to the point where you're kind of a household name a la Al Capone. <laughs> um, but you're close, which isn't necessarily good for a shadow running not team. Great, not great. Uh, but yeah, like you're definitely, there's people who know about you and everything. And I was, and this is like me like laying the groundwork so that if we ever revisit or anything else happens that would raise your guys' public awareness, it might just be Jerry publishes some books. <laughs> <laughs> and so people will like know your names, even though they'll think that you like fought some ghoul monarchy to <laughs> uh, to free all ghoul kind or something, I don't know. But uh it was just a really fun uh moment that I uh that I came up with on the fly. And I mean, anytime I get to RP Jerry, favorite part. <laughs> but as fun as that is, there is some serious stuff going down. Uh we are just a couple episodes away from the finale of this campaign, so uh, we should move on in and listen to Series 5, Episode 18, The Ties That Bind.
0: Enjoy!
2: It started how it always starts. New team, new Johnson, new job. Except this time, it was different. First, the runners. You got Mouse, tiny sweet girl. More than a little funny in the head. But that doesn't matter much, considering she's the Best fragging decker I've ever seen. Then there's cashmere. About as green as they come. Clearly out of his element. But when the cards were down, that boy proved to be one hell of a mage. Then you have bumbles. Elf. Dryad. Uh, eccentric. If you're being polite, you command an entire arsenal of drones with enough firepower to level a whole fragging city block. He's the kind of runner you hope you don't need on a job. But if you do you fragging glad to have him around. Then there's me, a big red oni named Boomer. My specialty, is sneaking in, geeking anyone in the way, and, as the leader of the group, keeping those three in line. Next, the Johnson. On the surface, sounds pretty straightforward. The next runner called Pretty B. Fell off the grid a few years back, but I didn't ask why. I'm a professional. In our line of work, people are entitled to their secrets. Weird thing was, he was paying his hand over fist to help people. At had his clearing out ghouls from the sewers in Redmond, for Frag's sake. Like I said, weird. But it's not often you get a line of jobs with a little bit of honor in them. So I was on board from day one.
0: After a while, we earned Brin's, I mean Pretty bees trust. And he let us meet his employer, Lawrence Whitmore. Mr. Whitmore was the last genuine anti-establishment businessman according to my friend doc publicly mr whitmore had retired a long time ago when he was like really young but he didn't really it was all a ruse and in secret he started shadow running against the corporations when he got too old to keep running he switched to being a johnson and hired a team of runners to continue the work he started but not us, we come way later. The runners he hired back then were Bryn's team. Bryn, his sister, Enna, an elf named L'Oreal, and an adept named Jason Black. Bryn told us that all of them had died a long time ago and that's why Mr. Whitmore was looking for a new team. And that's when he found us. We could continue his mission to protect those who couldn't protect themselves, especially from the corporations. I learned from Doc that when you have the chance to do something good for somebody else, you should do it. So of course I agreed to help.
3: Unfortunately, no good deed goes unpunished, and no organization rises without inspiring a rival. Havoc 66 arose as a dark mirror to Whitmore and Bren's work led by a madman called Hellion. It didn't take long before Hellion found out about us, and we learned that there was quite a lot that Whitmore wasn't telling us. Like that Hellion was actually the not-so-dead Jason Black, the very one that used to run with Bryn. Hellion had turned on his old team, slaughtering them as he defected from Whitmore's cause, which we would learn much later was because he wasn't just operating alone. See, the funny thing about magic is those of us who are able to harness it are as much under its influence as it is under ours. Hellion had gotten into bed with the wrong kind of spirit, a toxic one. Uh, The spirit drove him mad, uh, desiring only destruction. It took Whitmore's anti-corporation agenda and uh, perverted it, uh, causing Hellion to see violence as the only solution. But before we had a chance to prepare for the coming onslaught, Hellion... Made his move against the corpse and Whitmore. He broke into the estate and murdered Whitmore right in front of us. Then he stole Whitmore's personal shuttle, blasting off into space. As the alien had set into motion a series of events that gave him the opportunity to hit the corporations where it would hurt them the most.
4: Now the thing about AAA Corpse is they're much too big to take down. That said, they did put quite a few of their eggs in one basket. Zurich Orbital Station. The station is, was, a seat of power for the AAAs. The Matrix, their bank, and even the corporate court was housed there. Like I said, a lot of eggs in one nice mid-sized space basket. Hellion's plan was to take over the station and crash it on Seattle. Not quite an extinction level event, but certainly a global catastrophe. Naturally, the only reasonable thing for us to do was follow him up into space and stop him. Which we did. Sort of. We definitely took Hellion out, just not before he had done enough damage to the station to send it careening Earthward. But, with a little help from Mouse, we managed to make the whole space station rigor-interfaced. That's right, for a few glorious minutes, I was a space station. While rigged in, I had to break poor Zurich Orbital apart. It fell into the ocean in little bitty pieces, causing basically no damage at all, and we became global heroes. Except no one knows, because we're shadow runners, and the corpse would love to pin this on us, so we decided to lay low in Whitmore's mansion. It was the only sensible choice. That's where we've been since then, keeping our heads down while Bryn lines up the next job.
5: And that's where I come in. This crusade Whitmore started is more than just a mission. It's my legacy. My name is Nim, and Lawrence Whitmore was my father. Whitmore sacrificed everything for his crusade against the corpse, including his relationship with my mother, L'Oreal. I never understood how he could just neglect us for his greater purpose. When I was old enough to join his team, he didn't offer, and I didn't ask. Some people would consider that a lucky break for me if they knew what happened next. When Jason Black murdered my mother, I faked my death and fled overseas. And it wasn't even hard, considering my ability to magically impersonate literally anyone I meet. I needed to start a new life as someone else. To get away from him and, well, everything. I never understood how important my father's mission was until after he died. And then, it was too late. It wasn't really a decision to come back to Seattle, it was... Something else, an, an imperative. I have to try to make things right, in whatever way I can. I returned to the manor and met Brynn's new team. And apparently the mage they've been running with, this Kashmir guy, ended up just like Jason. He turned toxic, betrayed his team, and ran away. I can understand why they've had some trouble trusting me. It took me this long to start letting people back into my life after a toxic mage tore it apart. Hopefully, they're not as slow on the uptake.
1: The last time we left Crash 3.0, they had received a message from Kashmir that was only to be sent to them on the event of his death. Uh, He had been working to try and create a spirit formula for the Great Corruptor. Uh, Once you have a complete spirit formula, which is actually a formula that translates into their true name... Uh, you have control over the spirit, and Kashmir's intention was to weaken the Great Corruptor with the spell formula, sending her back to her metaplane completely, and then uh, go there and kill her himself. Apparently, due to the message, his plan didn't follow through completely, but he had a contingency, which was he left the nearly completed formula waiting for them at a location, along with his katana his weapon focus katana with the formula and the katana crash 3.0 hopes that they can track down where cashmere went after he recorded that video uh, to see exactly what happened and to hopefully follow that trail of breadcrumbs to wherever the great Corruptor is currently acting um so that they can finish the job additionally amidst all of that uh bumbles came back to life <laughs> Revealing that he had been preserved in the Matrix as an e-ghost. It took a little bit of convincing, but the team finally accepted that, that, that this was in fact the truth... And uh, Bryn, a little bit elated to have Bumbles back, ordered Bumbles a new RCC and a drone body, a walker. um, That's roughly the same size and shape as Bumbles was when he was alive, uh, but very, very obviously a robot. Um, And it it doesn't look humanoid at all. doesn't look like Bumbles, but it is wearing Bumbles' suit. (laughs) You guys just left the location that Kashmir recorded that video. Uh you have the katana, you have the formula etched in astral on the back of the photograph of the original team from series 2 and uh Nim is laying back in the Valkyrie mod as she was severely wounded from some glow rats, uh irradiated devil rats um that are uh, that were in the basement there. Um what do you guys do?
5: Uh I'd like to heal myself. <laughs>
1: That makes sense. Go
5: ahead. <laughs> I'm gonna get cast it um, at force four, but use reagents to set the limit to six. Sure. That's three hits.
1: Okay. You heal three physical.
5: And I'll also uh, slap on a stem patch.
1: Yeah. Uh, you slap on a stem patch. You heal up six stun temporarily, uh, and you guys are uh, driving up towards um, probably the mansion. I'm not sure.
4: Yeah. I'm taking us back to the mana. Cool.
5: I like to uh, uh, sense the katana. Now that I'm out of that icky, gross, horrible place with acid and rats and disgusting everything horrible about the whole world, we should burn it. But Bumbles, can you blow it up? Can we just eradicate it from the earth? Um, maybe. You should do that. We should definitely blow that building up, hundred <laughs> percent. Um, I,
4: mm, I okay. <laughs> sure, yeah, we could do that.
5: All
1: right, Nim, go ahead and roll a sensing four hits. Okay. So this is going to be an extended test. Every time you roll, it's going to take five hours. You're trying to get to 15. Okay. Um, so that was four hits.
5: Yes. That um, was four hits.
1: So keep doing that. Um, removing a die from your pool every time you roll. And let me know when you get to 15 and how many times you rolled. Okay. Um, Nim begins the sensing. Uh, you guys can get back to the manor while she's doing that.
4: Okay, yeah, we get back.
1: We fill Bryn in on what we found. Bryn like, soaks it up and goes, okay, so next move is to hopefully follow the trail for this uh, weapon focus. That seems to be it. It's the only line we got. How's everyone feeling? Is, is Nim all right?
2: She could use some looking at, but she'll make it. It was acid again.
0: We move her from the Valkyrie unit into the med bay.
1: <laughs>
0: also, I matrix one hour a new backpack to fit my upgraded med kit in.
1: Sure, sure, yeah. You go to the med bay and you start putting together a much better med kit than the one you've been carrying around.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: Uh, yeah, I would like to take the, the pocket swarm and take two fly spies off and give one to Boomer and one to Mouse. Take this. Enjoy. I need less drones on this for it to be better. I know. It sounds crazy.
1: (laughs) There was four rolls. Four rolls. Okay. So it will take you 20 hours um, and you have to do this continuously uh, for it to, for it to work. You could take like, you could rest a bit in the middle if you want, as long as you pick up the trail immediately. Uh, You will have to leave the manor to follow this trail physically. Hey, Boomer. Yeah.
5: You want to go for a a walk?
2: Sure.
5: I'm trying to follow this trail. Um, I'm going to be a little busy following the trail. Um,
2: Oh, well, instead of walking, shouldn't we drive?
5: Yeah, we could drive. Uh, I just more meant, you know, it'd be uh, nice to have backup.
2: Yeah, let me get a let me get my traveling gun. I'll be right out.
5: (laughs) Yeah. Okay.
1: so you're you look at the katana and you get Ka- Kashmir's astral signature. Um, you see, like, naivete in it and, uh, and fear. Like, just heaps and heaps and heaps of fear laced with, like, an underlying current of anger. And uh, uh, you're, you, like, uh, sense it and it's fading fast. It's already, it already feels like this connection has faded significantly. Um, so it's like you're basically following a small wisp of an astral signature like that you can see, like moving off of this and pointing in some direction. And you can climb in the car with Boomer. Boomer, I'm assuming you're not driving around Seattle in your mil-spec armor.
2: Oh, God, no.
1: <laughs> so Boomer climbs in wearing his, his normal street gear um, and you guys can begin following the trail. Uh, it will be slow going um, and you're you're pretty sure that it will take you about 20 hours to achieve this.
2: Is it, does this trail go by a taco place?
5: At some point, yes. There's an as taco there. Okay. We should stop by a soy box, too. Uh, I think we're going to need it. Yeah, you guys can get some soy calf.
2: Yes, we do all of that. Um, and we can use the cups to cut out restroom breaks.
5: I, what? <laughs> I mean, it's your car.
2: No splashing on the seats.
5: Can't promise that. <laughs>
1: Cool. So they're working on that. That does mean that there's twenty hours of downtime for everyone else.
0: I'm gonna take all those boring medical books that Doc keeps giving me. Say, most you should read this and actually maybe read some. Sure. Because there's no Matrix. When, with magic. There's no magic matrix. <laughs> I don't know what I'm supposed to do. But I seem to be pretty good with the whole, like, keeping everyone from dying mostly.
1: Yeah. And... Over the course of your guys' uh, <laughs> job so far, you've actually, like, you, you're surprised to see how much of what Doc has, like, told you and what you've seen mm-hmm. Doc, like, doing in the cli- clinic has actually sunk in. And you, like, you're like you like, I'm kind of good at this. I'm a pretty good medic.
0: Yeah. It helps to have a photographic memory. Yes. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> So
4: I'm going to spend this time, I write a targeting program for The Walker, which I'm not great at, like, writing code, but being an AI is fun and weird, so it's basically just playing a lot of, like, first-person shooters yeah, in the super matrix for AIs,
1: pretty much. Yeah, you you basically just like start. You basically practice with the with the arm and and like instead of just like getting good at aiming yourself, you're like, I feel like I could probably warp the the code inside here to make this walker help me aim because I don't know how to aim, <laughs> but I bet I can teach this walker how to do it. It's so much easier than learning to do it myself. Yeah, it's basically just, like, target locking a whole lot, but, like, you don't want to tell it to do that. So you just, like, teach it how to make those decisions itself.
4: It's great. He's a quick learner. Um, And then the rest of the time is spent um, optimizing for ease of use uh, the interior of my RCC. Uh, So now it does have the grounds of the manor. The mana does turn into a giant mech, and it does have a cannon that shoots the Matrix on it.
1: <laughs> Finally, your, your uh, <laughs> dream of having a gun that can shoot the Matrix is realized in some form. <laughs> so um, after 20 hours, Boomer and Nim, I need you to, to roll body and willpower to power through on your lack of sleep. Also, Nim, your stim patch does wear off.
2: I got full.
1: Two hits. Okay. Uh, I need you guys to do it one more time for me. Three hits. Three. All right, you guys are very tired, um, but you're not taking any stun damage currently. But the longer you go not resting, the harder it will be for you to resist any damage when uh when that wave of sleep deprivation hits you uh but for right now you guys pound back like your eighth soy calf double shot espresso and um eventually uh you follow this trail into tacoma and then you move along towards the uh nearby the the coast of tacoma most of tacoma is very industrial and so you guys are in an industrial area Um, and you find it's definitely going into, uh, uh, into like a sewer line nearby. Uh, and you know that like, if you drop down there, you can follow the maze of the sewers to try and figure out exactly where they're leading, but you know, you're close.
2: Of course it's in the sewer.
5: What do you think? What do you think the the chances are that there are more acid rats down there? Do you think that there's a lot of them, but maybe... Maybe we should get, like, plastic coating and then come back.
2: I don't think plastic's going to do you much good. Let's just go down there. We'll keep an eye out. I can see down there, so.
5: I mean, I can, too. I just, you know, they're sneaky. They're sneaky bastards, and I don't like them, and they shoot acid. So, you know.
2: Well, the sewer's going to still be less shitty than being in Puyallup, so I think we'll be all right. Less chance of, uh, low rats down there.
5: Okay, but, uh, anything that moves, we shoot. Anything that's got four legs and moves towards us, (laughs) we're gonna shoot that thing, right? That's
2: why I brought my traveling gun, and also my normal one out in my
1: trunk. Around this time, you guys get a message from Bryn, uh, and he's like, what's the status?
5: Going to the sewer. Be back soon.
1: Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> Hang on. How close do you think you are?
5: We, I think we're getting pretty close. All right. Well, if the final
1: destination's inside the sewer, uh, how about uh, I send Mouse and Bumbles out to meet you guys there? You guys go in as a team.
5: Yeah, you're right. That's a good idea. I'm. I am have not gotten a lot of sleep. Yeah, you sound. You sound a little rough. Mm, it's fine. I'm sure it's fine. Right.
1: I guess we don't really have time to rest. But if we do, that uh, that signature is going to fade. So, uh, Bumbles, Mouse. Yeah. What's up? Nim and Boomer are, uh, are close enough that they think uh, they found where you guys are heading. Uh, they're in Tacoma. These coordinates, they're heading down into the sewers. Gear up and meet them.
5: Ooh, okay. bring,
2: bring my armor and my guns. Okay. Just in case.
5: Mouse, if you have anything that can help with some stun damage from the the stim pad, I'm just really tired. Do you have like caffeine injections or like?
0: Oh, I have something. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> also, That's did nice. my a- anti radiation meds come yet?
4: Yes. Okay. Yeah, oh. me and Mouse do uh, a Batman gearing up montage, and <laughs> spot. Boomer, this stuff is there. so
0: heavy.
1: <laughs> I got it. <laughs> hey, I do got
0: it. Oh, this is weird.
1: <laughs> yeah. Bumbles, your arms are are a little strong. Uh, <laughs> little, just a little bit stronger than than what you're used to. And you're able to move stuff in. Uh, and you pile it all in spot. You guys climb in and go driving off to Tacoma, where Boomer and Nim are parked. Uh, they're nearby a municipal hatch leading down into the sewers.
5: Hey, guys. Huh? Oh, hi. Hey. I was not asleep. Nope. Mm-mm.
0: <clears throat> so I'm going to go over to Nim. Just be like, here, breathe this. And then also, ah, uh, I'm going to roll to heal her stun damage. Yeah. OK. <laughs> With my new skills. Sure. Five.
1: All right. You heal up three stun damage, Nim.
5: Huh. So, you know, Betside Manor, maybe not the surprise attack with the needle, but
0: th- whatever was
5: in there definitely helped.
0: Boomer says that's the best way to inject something into somebody. Yeah,
5: don't <laughs> listen to Boomer on that. That's not... that. Contextually, he's not wrong. <laughs> okay, <laughs> if it's on us, maybe let us know. If it's on someone we don't like, go ahead and surprise attack.
0: Okay.
1: So, you guys go down into the sewers?
0: Uh, when Bryn said... Oh, they're going down into the sewers. I grabbed all our UV lights.
4: <laughs> I had the same thought. Yeah, sure. You
1: guys have a whole lot of UV lights.
0: I've duct taped one to the top of Bumbles' head.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Bumbles has a UV flashlight duct taped to the top of his head. Okay. I'll
4: uh, hand out the rest here. It probably won't come up, but if it does, you'll be happy we have them. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: Now, now, is this – uh how populated is the area we're in?
1: Uh, There's enough active factories around that, like, you've seen some traffic nearby. You guys aren't drawing attention or anything uh, at the moment. But, yeah, there's, like, cars driving around. Um, Not, like, very heavily trafficked, but
2: – So if I were to put on my better armor, because who knows what we're facing down there, what's the likelihood of being seen?
1: Hard to say. There's definitely passerbys. Um, So you've already, you you can put the armor on inside spot and then make a quick rush to the sewer when you think no one's uh, around or looking or looking out of any of the factory windows. Um, But it's hard to say.
4: Can we put the armor parts in a duffel bag and carry them to the sewer and you can get dressed in the sewer?
1: That would be a more subtle way to do it, yeah.
4: I put the armor parts in a duffel bag and carry them to the sewer so Boomer can get dressed in the sewer.
1: Okay. Uh, yeah, it is nighttime, so you guys do have a bit of cover of night, um, and not, like, being super obvious about it, you guys can get to the the hatch, which, uh, is not sealed, and you guys can climb on down the ladder.
0: Um, are there any, like, exposed wires, or, like, any kind of, like, not really horrible Matrix, um, activity going on at all? Is there, like, a, like, a control panel somewhere that I can see in the matrix. Uh,
1: when you uh, you don't have to roll matrix perception to know like what stuff is wireless around here. Um, there's not anything that seems particularly helpful that's running wireless around here. Um, but when you get down into the sewers, you can either roll perception or civic engineering uh, to try and find a control panel.
0: I have civic engineering. I know.
1: You might just be able to know where to look. The threshold for civic engineering will be lower than the threshold for perception.
0: Okay, I'm going to roll civic engineering. Okay. 4.
1: The sewer you're climbing into is actually a sewer that's not in use anymore. Uh it's a sew- it's an old sewage line. It's like a fifth world sewage line. So that's part of the reason why it's not like wireless necessarily because uh any of the any of the um Stuff down here that is electronic or uh, automated or possibly uh, advanced enough that you might be able to do something with it uh, is all wired. Um, and so uh, you – but you get down there and you have enough knowledge on, like, how, like, uh, you know, civic engineering works that you know basically where to look. You find your way over to the access panel. It's not too far from where the uh, the ladder comes down. It's in the floor. You pop that open uh, and you can tap into that if you like.
0: Uh yes please.
1: Okay, I'm not gonna make you roll hacking. You can get all the marks you want on it. Cool. <laughs> it's, it's a very very low device rating. Um, but what it does give you is it gives you um, it gives you some control over uh like floodgates around here um as well as um which you're not sure how well how likely that will be because there's not a whole lot of water around here. Um, it, it, like I said there, it's pretty dried out down here. Still smelly though. Uh, <laughs> It also gives you like control of like pressure valves and so on. You basically have like the the guts of these pipelines. Uh, you have uh, pretty like rudimentary control over their functions. Uh, you know, it's it's all the design of this uh, this uh, pad you've tapped into is to be able to adjust these things. And you, being a hacker, know how to abuse those privileges.
0: Yeah. Um, okay. Cool. So. Um, does it also have an inbuilt like layout?
1: Uh, yeah, it does have a, a, a rough map. Right. Um, hard to say how accurate it is, um, but you also have Nim who has a homing beacon to where you guys need to go. Sure,
0: but also it would be nice to know if we're running away where the dead ends are. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
4: Um, does the swarm have a hard time getting down to the sewer? Not really. Cool.
1: Yeah, you can bring the swarm with you. I do.
0: Um, and I brought... All my MetaLinks, so I'm going to data tap this and drop meta links as we go so I don't lose too much signal.
1: Sure, okay. yeah. That's a very smart way to make sure that you don't lose signal. Uh, you can keep, like, as the signal, as the noise gets a little high, you can just turn on a MetaLink and, like, basically have a tether of wireless connections leading to this uh, panel as you go. Cool. Depending on how far you have to go. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I try to like space it out as far as it'll go, and depending on where we have to turn, sure, things like that.
1: Uh, with Nim leading the way, you guys know where you need to go. Uh, Nim can continue to ascend this katana um, in a diamond formation. Yeah, sure. If Boomer, if you want to call diamond formation, everyone can roll intuition.
5: Three.
4: I got three as well.
5: Three hits.
1: That's nine more dice you get to roll, Boomer. Uh, well, up to your rating in the skill. Small unit tactics.
2: Alright. I got the four hits I needed. Uh we'll put Nim up front and I can watch the rear.
5: Right, and you're looking for those rats, right? Like you're gonna shoot them as, as soon as they appear. Of course. Uh so you guys
1: start moving. Uh this time Nim in the lead. Uh Boomer taking up the rear probably uh to keep an eye on things, and then mouse and bumbles on the left and right. Uh Nim following uh she's kinda holding the katana with one hand, hovering another hand over it, and uh while the sensing you are able to kinda like see the wisps of astral energy floating off this katana, pointing you in a direction like a compass. Everyone can roll sneaking for me.
5: Four hits for Nim.
1: I got five hits.
0: Four.
4: Six
1: Okay, you guys are very, very sneaky as you move through. uh, Boomer, well, anyone can roll a perception test except for Nim, who is currently focusing on following the trail of this katana. All right, uh, Bumbles, what did you get? I got two hits. Boomer?
2: One. Mouse?
1: Three. Okay. So I need everyone to roll reaction and intuition. Uh, This is a surprise test.
0: I rolled a four.
4: Okay. That's four hits for me. Okay. Nim?
0: I'll edge that. Okay. (laughs) I'll edge
1: that. (laughs) Not again. (laughs) Four hits. Okay. And Boomer? Two. So none of you are aware of anything happening. Uh, And then uh, there's like a slight sound above you guys. And you look up just in time to see a glow rat. Um on the ceiling and it spits down on top of Boomer. Boomer, you do not get a dodge test.
5: <laughs> shoot it, shoot it, shoot it, kill it, kill it, yeah, kill it.
1: <laughs> what? Oh. <Wow.
5: laughs>
1: <laughs> Alright, Boomer. Uh I need you to roll a damage soak test against 18 damage at a minus four. Eleven. <clears throat> Uh, Boomer, you take one physical damage <laughs> as this corrosive spit hits your armor and burns. Um, it doesn't break through your chem seal, but it does produce enough heat to actually give you like second degree burns on like your shoulder and, uh, you feel it and it's painful. You're actually not used to feeling pain when you're in this armor. Uh, and you look up and you see this, uh, this glow rat, uh, hanging, uh, right above you guys. Um, I'm not going to make you guys roll initiative because it's one glow rat and we've seen how that goes. What do you guys do? I shoot it. Yep. (laughs) Uh, Go ahead and roll that. Seven. It's dead. (laughs) It's very dead. The acid burns your shoulder. It hurts, but instinctively you look upwards, you shine a light on it. It's already starting to try and scurry away and make it into like a hole in the ceiling and you just... And uh, it just drops down uh, its four legs kind of pointing upwards and, like, curling inwards towards its body, like, twitching a little bit, and then it doesn't move. I kick it into the sewer drain.
5: I'm wildly slinging the still-sheathed katana in its direction.
1: (laughs) All right, you guys continue for a bit longer. Uh, I want everyone else to roll a perception test for me.
5: I'd like to cast Increase Reflexes. Sure, go for it. Uh, that's four hits for increased reflexes, and I take two drain.
1: Okay. Uh, what did everyone get on their perception, and did they roll visual or audio?
4: Uh, I got three hits with my robot eyes.
1: Okay.
2: Four hits with my
1: own eyes. Okay.
0: Uh, six with my ears. Okay.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and Nim can't because she's too busy assessing. sensing. Mouse, you are the first who's tipped off. Uh, as you guys are moving along quietly as you can, diamond formation, following NIM's lead. Uh, one thing you definitely notice is that the uh, biomonitors on your um, uh, on your PyTac are listing up that you're entering areas with concerning uh, amounts of radiation at the moment, though it's pretty mild. but mouse, you hear the clipping of claws on, like, the metal grates of the, uh, of the tunnel around the corner from you, you're pretty sure it's around the corner from you. Um, and so everyone can, like, slow down. And because you were able to alert them so they didn't just walk around the corner, uh, Boomer and or Bumbles are able to kind of, like, peek around the corner. And uh, you guys get a visual of four dog-shaped creatures moving around, uh, seeming to, like, kind of smell maybe, like, One of them is like chewing into a a glow rat and eating it. And um, they do seem to be on the prowl for you guys. It seems like they heard you. Bumbles, if you want to roll zoology, you might be able to identify them. I will do that. Full hits. All right. With that, Bumbles, uh, you are able to identify them as rad hounds. This is a rad hound. Um, with your guys' visual on them, you can see uh as like one of them kinda like steps forward towards one of the lights. Uh it is a it's like a dog, like maybe a German shepherd. Hard to tell. It's very grotesque. Uh it's lips it doesn't have any lips. It just has its teeth bare and its teeth are kinda jagged and sharp, pointing in weird directions. Uh it's also it looks like its eyelids have been burned away, so it just has like big like eyes like just set in its skull uh much of it what fur it has is matted and rough most of its skin is like looks like it's peeling away um and like dropping onto the ground and uh uh it despite that it looks very muscular and very physically capable even though it looks like it's like disintegrating it it seems very much in control of its body and you see the one like rip a leg off of the uh off of the rat, the glow rat that it's eating, like munch down on it. Bumbles, you know enough about radhounds, you've read about them before, because, um, you know, in your studies, you've read about anything that, has, that is touched by radiation. <laughs> I read a lot. Um, radhounds, um, the higher the levels of radiation, interestingly, uh, the more docile radhounds are, um, to the point where, like, where it's in places where radiation is, like, flat out like, deadly. Radhounds are basically domestic. So, not here then. Not where you guys are currently, no.
2: So, I can lay down some suppressor fire. You guys can. uh...
1: uh Nim, if you could throw that swarm out of your pocket. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Nim, you reach in, pull out a uh, little swarm, you toss it up in the air, the wings pop open, unfolding, uh, giving you a little, like, stealth carrier drone, uh, and off the wings pop uh, a few uh, fly spies, and they all just kind of hover there, uh, moving back behind you guys, actually, to join the rest of the swarm.
4: Um, I'm actually going to tell them to hang here.
1: Sure. They um, do that.
4: Oh, wait. Mm, yeah, they do that, because they're much quieter than the rest of the swarm, and the gun on the main drone is silenced.
1: Sure. Okay so you uh cancel the automated order for them to join the rest of the swarm now they are now a separate little mini swarm of themselves. Right.
4: And the dogs are coming here they're getting rather close
1: for comfort. I they think are. we
4: should shoot them to death. One with of them seems weapons. to
1: smell you guys. It's like sniffing and like and like it lowers its head and starts slowly creeping up towards where you yeah, guys Boomer, are. Yeah
0: but if you wanted to you know do your shooting All right.
1: Shoey, All right so there's four rathounds. how are you how are are how are we taking these things out?
2: I'm going to lay down a cone of suppressive fire, and then the swarm can just blow them up, and then Nim can shoot them with magic. So,
1: Okay, so Boomer is laying down suppressive fire to scatter these things and make it harder for them to move around without getting shot. Bumbles, uh, you're shooting one of them with the swarm?
4: Yeah, I'll tell uh, the stealth swarm to shoot one, and then I'll pop out my heavy, silent cyber pistol from my arm and shoot another. Okay. Uh, that
1: takes care of two of them. There's still two left.
5: I cast Napalm.
1: <laughs> okay, <laughs> you can do that.
5: I don't like these things. <laughs> they could also be acid.
1: <laughs> uh, Nim, what force are you casting napalm at?
5: I cast it at force five and okay. use reagents to set the limit to eight.
1: Yeah, force five has enough of a radius to hit the uh, the other two that aren't being targeted by bumbles. Cool,
5: that's what I aim for.
0: I keep a lookout in the back.
1: Sure. <laughs> Uh, I got eight hits. All right. One of the dogs seems to drop prone uh, to avoid being uh, completely suppressed. Um, but the rest, like, are shocked and, like, like jump back at the, at the like, flurry of bullets flying their way from the suppressive fire. Uh, Bumbles, what did you get on your two attacks?
4: Uh, so I got six hits to fire my pistol and the swarm got seven hits.
1: All right. That's one net hit with your attack and four net hits for the swarm. So... Uh, those two Radhounds, they, they, like, pull and start to, like, scatter and panic with the shots from Boomer. Uh, you Your stealth swarm kind of swings out into the, the crossroads of these two pipelines and uh, shoot a, a stealth shot into one of them, like, clipping its leg and, like, uh, dropping it down, but it's still alive. Uh, meanwhile, you pop the gun out of your forearm, uh, leaning around the corner, and you take a shot, and you hit another one pretty healthily, but it's still it's still alive. Um, uh, You kind of like wing its shoulder and it like it like growls and barks. Uh, Nim, what did you get on your napalm?
5: Five hits and I took one drain.
1: Alright, as Bumbles takes his two shots, wounding those two in the front, uh, Nim... Comes around the corner, waves her hands, um, and you see this gout of flame shoot out from her palm and arch over the radhounds, landing uh, behind them, uh, making this, uh, this explosion of napalm that, like, sticks to the walls and the ceiling and engulfs these two radhounds in the back. And they catch fire. Uh, they're not dead yet. But they do not look good. I mean, they already didn't look good before, but now, like, they're, they're already peeling flesh. is like, melting off of them as this fire sticks to them. The smell is horrid. Mouse, were you going to do anything before initiative is rolled?
0: I'm No, I'm just looking around the back right now.
1: Okay, go ahead and roll a perception test for me. Cool. Uh, and then everyone roll
0: initiative. That was five hits on my perception test.
1: There's definitely nothing sneaking up on you. You're confident of that. You do also notice uh, that one of the uh, pipes a little bit ahead of you guys looks particularly corroded and potentially weakened, and you might be able to exploit that. Did anyone get above 20? Yes.
0: Yes. Yep. Yes. Okay.
1: Wow. Uh, let's, let's narrow that down. Uh, did anyone get above 30? Anyone get above 25? Yes.
0: Yeah. I got 25.
2: I also got 25.
0: I also got 25, actually.
1: All right, 25 for Nim, Boomer, and Mouse. And for Bumbles? I got 29. Okay. Uh, Bumbles, you are up first um, as these dogs react to what just happened and look like they're about to charge your guys' position.
4: Okay. Um, the one I shot before, I'm going to shoot again. The one the Swarm shot before, it's going to shoot again. Okay. Um, if we shoot... They both... If me and the swarm shoot twice, we split our pools, yeah? Uh, yes. Fuck it, I've got a weird robot body. Let's do that. Okay. Uh, so you're double shooting into, uh... We're both gonna shoot twice at the thing we shot before. Okay. Uh, so the first shot from my cyber pistol is three hits. The second is also three hits.
1: Uh, that's one net hit on both.
4: Okay, so that's 8 physical damage at a minus 5 armor-piercing both times. The Swarm also gets 3 hits both times.
1: Uh, The Swarm gets 2 net hits both times.
4: Uh, So that's 10 physical damage at a minus 5 armor-piercing both times.
1: Alright, uh, so you pop off two shots And at the same time Your swarm pops off two shots um, Both silenced, a little drowned out By the sound of the crackling fire And the shouting and barking dogs um, uh, You hit the leader twice again um, It like drops down to the ground Looking real bad But then picks itself back up And continues moving forward um, meanwhile the swarm uh, the second shot goes into the dome of that radhound and it falls down dead um, boomer, Nim, and mouse all of you are up I
2: continue suppressing
5: I'll cast napalm again <laughs> <laughs> sure, what force? I'll cast it at force 4 this time but again use reagents to set the limit to 8
1: Okay. Um, so you can either target the one who's in front or the two that are currently cooking uh, with that size of uh, force,
5: I, I'm gonna hit the one that's charging. Okay. That's eight hits. <laughs> and I resist all the drain.
1: Okay. Boomer continuing to lay down suppressive fire. This, this, uh, Rad hound looks like it's going to like try and it like snarls and looks like it's, you know, even though it's been shot twice, like in the chest area, it looks like it's going to try and lunge forward through this suppressive fire and you don't want none of that. So you cast another napalm, uh, this time engulfing that one. Uh, another gout of flame shoots out of her palm and engulfs uh, this one and when the flame kind of settles, covering the ceilings, the walls and the floor of this tunnel, uh, you see that uh, that hound is charred and limp, uh, laying in the fire. And, uh, Mouse?
0: I'm gonna give Bumbles five of my initiative. Okay. Can I go full defense?
1: Sure. Okay. Uh, you prepare for any, any attack from, uh, from the, the two remaining hounds that are on fire and have a field of fire to cross to get to you guys. Unfortunately, they don't have a chance to do anything as they burn alive <laughs> uh, from the initial napalm. Uh, they they can't like shake it off of them; it's like stuck to them, and they just uh, they like take a couple steps forward. One gets hit by like a bullet from Boomers and like falls down, and then like they just become charred corpses. Uh, and now uh, you guys have a significant amount of fire in between you and your destination. High five.
5: Oh, yeah. Acid? Acid? Huh? Is that what you fraggers want? How about fire? How about
0: fire, motherfuckers?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, feel it, Nim.
0: Okay. (laughs) See, do you guys see that corroded area up there? Um, That'll drop water down on all the fire, but I don't want it to backlash on us. Do you think it would be possible we could, like, shoot it and then put up a barrier really quick? Yeah, I can do that.
2: Also, Mouse, when you get a chance, can you uh, look at my shoulder? Oh yeah, come here. I'm also going to reload.
1: Okay. As Mouse uh, makes you kneel down so she can reach your shoulder.
0: Get down! (laughs) You're too tall. Weird. I mean, it's not weird for an Oni because they're supposed to be tall, but it's weird for me because you're. Never mind. How do you feel now? Seven hits.
1: All right. Uh, yeah, you kneel down, take off your helmet, take off the shoulder pads so she can see the part where the where the heat burned you, and she applies uh, an ointment with her med kit uh, and, like, seals it with some synth skin, and uh, you feel right as rain. Thanks. That was starting to tickle and itch a little bit.
4: Yeah, so while uh, N- uh, Boomer and Mouse do that, uh, me and Nim are going to work on this pipe. With our knowledge of magic and engineering
1: combined, uh, yeah, it'll be easy enough for you to break this pipe. Uh, so, Nim, you just need to cast a physical barrier to direct the uh, the water.
5: Yeah, it's a pretty small hallway, right? Maybe
1: a nine foot diameter.
5: Uh, I will cast physical barrier at force four. Sure. That's four hits.
1: Yeah, you make uh, you make a nice translucent physical barrier. No drain. Uh, not feeling any backlash from the magic. Um, and Bumbles, you're able to overload that pipe and it, uh, cracks and then breaks and points downward. And there's a rush of water from it that douses, uh, at least like the, the bottom half of the tunnel. So now there's only like embering fire at the, on the ceiling and, and like upper walls. Uh, and you guys have a clear path.
0: Okay. And then I'm going to shut the water off so we don't. Have to wade through water. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, that is problematic for me. <clears throat> yeah, you you just uh, uh, press a button in your AR and just close that valve, and the water start like from being a stream becomes a drip, and then it's off.
5: I will start ascending again.
2: Uh, we and I'll direct us back into a diamond formation.
1: Uh, so you guys drop into diamond formation, continue on your way. Nim leading as uh, as you guys walk underneath the heat of uh, of the fire above you. And uh, over the charred, smelly corpses of these rad hounds, Uh, you continue down a ways. You turn left, you turn right, you turn right, you turn left. The radiation gets higher and higher and higher. Your biomonitors advise that uh, to remain in this level of radiation for six hours would debilitate you and within 10 hours you would be dead.
4: So in and out real quick then, yeah?
2: Uh, oh, we're going to have to decon when we get back.
1: In addition to that, you guys will be slightly irradiated when you leave, uh, so people who are around you for a prolonged period of time will suffer, like, headaches and other negative effects. But you guys continue forward, uh, clutching your radiation cloaks around you, or for Nim and Bumble's sake, continuing to wear the clothes you're wearing. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, uh, you guys get a little bit closer, and you see... Um, uh, one of or the tunnels you're walking down kind of open up to like a, a slightly larger like uh, chamber in the sewers and part of that ceiling is caved in. Nim, you can sense that like you need to go up from up that cave and in into the building above. Um, Mouse, given your, given your blueprints of the sewers and the layout of the streets a- above, uh, you are certain that you are directly underneath the Acateco industrial waste processing facility. Um, and this makes sense as some of uh, some of this chamber has some barrels that have fallen down uh, and cracked open. And there's like a, a sickening green, like glowing ooze kind of puddling around there. And you assume that might be where some of the radiation is coming from. And you guys have enough time to contemplate that and move towards that, uh, that caved in portion of the ceiling before there's a swirl of energy and out of one of the uh, puddles of, of of mucky, like irradiated, like mud and sludge, you see something raise and it lashes out and grabs onto a pipe uh, of the ceiling and pulls slowly and painfully, pulls the body of Curaga out of the ground. Uh, these irradiated, sickening, thorny vines with like dead leaves, uh wrapped up into a painful-looking knot um, as it gets pulled out and, like, falls out of that sludge. Randomly, not in any sh- sort of, like, form of, like, limbs, uh, vines lash out and move it in a in a direction, like grabbing onto the ground and pulling it to the side or grabbing upwards and pulling itself upwards. Um, and you just see, like, it's, like, randomly vines are just... Moving around, grabbing things to pull it closer and closer and closer to you guys. Uh, just yanking it and pulling it along. And I need everyone to roll initiative.
2: Also, I'm going to, when I see this happening, I get my Barret ready.
1: This tangled, pained-looking ball of oozing thorny vines pulling towards you guys. What is your initiative?
4: I got a 35. Okay. 27. I also got 27. Mouse, what did you get? 26. All right, Bumbles, you're up first. I would like to combine both swarms into one swarm. Okay. You do that. It takes a simple action. Cool. I would like to command this mega swarm to shoot the spirit very badly, please. Sure. Go for it. (laughs) It's going to use the full package of Noisquitos.
1: Okay. So Bumbles gives the command and... All, all of the drones the, the stealth swarm that's with you guys and the, the other drones that are around the corner behind you guys uh, kind of hanging out hanging to the back so they don't make too much noise uh, fly up behind him in formation uh, making a just a fleet of drones pushing forward towards this uh, towards this, this perverted incarnation of uh, Kuraga, and uh, the Noisquitos start blaring and flashing lights what did they get for their hit? Uh, that's ten hits. Okay, they have six net hits. So what's the damage? That's twenty-one physical damage
4: at minus eight armor piercing.
1: So with all of this firing a volley of, of uh, ammunition, seeming only to anger Kuraga, his uh, his like bald knotted form like expands, uh, making almost like a ball-like cage. Um, some of the bullets fly through. One uh, from the Gauss rifle clips one of the vines that's holding onto uh, a pipe that's making him pull towards you, uh, severing it. Uh, and the part that gets severed off just disappears uh, at, as astral energy. Um, and that vine lashes back in like a in like a whip like fashion back to the core body. As another vine reaches out, grabs onto a pipe, and continues pulling Kuraga towards you guys.
4: Um, I would like to position myself
1: in front of Mouse okay <laughs> nim and boomer you are both up
2: i'm gonna bullseye burst this fragger with my uh barret
1: uh go ahead all right how many hits boomer seven uh you get one net hit
2: uh 15 physical minus 22 armor i'm not grappling this one so frag that pride me damn i'm gonna put you out of your misery kiraga <laughs>
1: All right, you zero in your scope, uh, putting yourself in a position to be able to soak up the recoil of this giant-ass sniper rifle you just popped off your back. Uh, you line in a shot, uh, trying to aim for like what constitutes the core of this ever-changing, viney spirit. You take a shot. Uh, it clips through two of the center vines, which like separate and then mold back to get- together, just a little thinner. Uh, and the- when you hit it, like there's an explosion of, of like violent thorn vines that like whip around like in anger and anguish uh, that then latch onto a bunch of, uh, uh, latch into the ground right in front of you guys. And he starts pulling himself closer and closer to you guys. Nim, what were you doing?
5: Uh, I'm gonna cast a uh, mana bolt at force eight. Okay. I will edge that. Okay. Seven hits. Uh
1: This time, going with a little bit more finesse than uh, than a napalm expenditure, you uh, you put two you, you put your two hands together and uh, channel like a beam of magical energy, um, and you guys see as uh, the core uh, bundle of, of thorny irradiated vines that makes up Kuraga's uh, body uh, like snaps. And, uh, and a bunch of it just like opens up to you, like small little tendrils like reaching out as if to, to claw at you, but you guys are too, still too far away. Uh, and uh, then they like start to like tie themselves back together um, and more long um, vines reach out and grab the ceiling directly above you guys. And it looks like he's about to launch himself towards you. Mouse, you're up.
0: Is there a way to run or sneak around? Uh, Kiraga and run up into the building so I can look for a fire extinguisher or a coolant system of some kind.
1: I don't know if you'd be able to make it in one go without, a, without an impressive run or gymnastics test,
0: uh-huh. only
1: because it will be kind of hard to run past Kiraga and then also climb your way up that cave-in because uh, it's not really like an easy slope up. The, um, so it's possible that you could get up there um, but it's also possible that you it might take you more than one initiative pass.
0: Okay, I'd like to run, sure as far as as far as I can, to the other side of Kiraga and like up if I can get that far up on mm-hmm. the like rubble, and then uh, and then pick up a rock and throw it <laughs> at Kiraga and yell at him, and say, and say, hey, you stupid pile of goo, you looked so much better when you were a plant, and you know what? Toxic mages are dumb, and I'm going to go kill Kashmir.
1: <laughs> I mean, you don't have to roll anything. You got his attention, throwing a rock at him and shouting at him. Uh, let's see how far you were able to get. Go ahead and roll a running test. What
0: oh, does it have to be running?
1: It could also be gymnastics.
0: Okay. I'm going to pre-edge this. Okay. Okay. I got two whole hits.
1: All right. You make it almost to the base of the cave-in, mm-hmm. and that's where you find the rock. You pick it up, and you you have to, like, fumble it over to your mechanical arm, which has the strength to throw it. And you throw it, and Kuraga, it doesn't hurt him at all, Like, but it, like, bumps into, like, one of his vines, and he has to, like, shrug it off. And he doesn't have eyes or anything, but you feel some of the tendrils kind of, like, reach out towards you. And... Then uh, I need you, Mouse, yeah. uh, to roll a dodge test for me. I'm going
0: gonna, I'm gonna to also edge this. This is the best gambit I've ever made. That's seven whole hits. Oh, yeah, can I go full defense? <laughs>
1: uh, yeah, you drop down an initiative more. Sure. Uh, but yeah, you can add your willpower to this roll.
0: Okay. Um, So it's 12 hits.
1: Okay, Uh, one of the tendrils uh, reaches out to you and opens up in this slimy, uh, like, petal-like shape, um, dripping this greenish, like, luminescent fluid on the ground, and it sprays it out towards you, and you're able to kind of fall on your ass. (laughs) And like scramble, and you and you see as this like stream of pollutant magic flies over you, uh, and like kind of dissipates in the air. Uh, meanwhile, while that's going on, Kiraga pulls uh, on all of those vines that have that are like lashed into the ground in in front of you guys and the ceiling above you guys, and launches the core of his body at at Bumbles. Cool. Uh, Bumbles, I need you to roll a dodge test.
4: Uh, I'm gonna edge that. Okay. Uh, that's
1: eleven hits. All right, Bumbles. I'm gonna need you to roll a damage resist test. As he just barely you you with your like heightened like data processing see like as the like vines tighten and he's gonna launch himself. You realize you're the fucking target. <laughs> um, and Kiraga launches himself through uh, through the swarm at you and you jump back and you almost make it but like as the ball lands in front of you uh, it rolls just slightly enough to like hit your foot and as soon as it touches your foot you're yanked down and, uh, and the vines begin to wrap around and crush you uh, so I need you to roll a damage resist test for me at minus 9 armor okay that's 8 hits You take 10 damage. Okay. Uh, as the gears and servos around your neck start getting crushed by this thorny vine, you think that if you were human right now, you would just flat out be dead as like you were eviscerated by, by these vines. They crush down on you with such force that it like sends out sparks and uh, and like one of your arms like snaps the wrong way uh, and your body gets like twisted and like you think if you if you had a spinal cord, it would snap. Um, as you're slow, you guys see Bumble slowly just being completely crushed in this Ball of vines, uh, Bumbles. It is, however, your turn.
4: Okay. Boomer seemed to do more damage with his shot than I did with mine, right? Uh, yes. Okay. The swarm's gonna lay down suppressive fire. Okay. <laughs>
1: uh, yeah. So go ahead and roll. Uh, it's this. I roll a swarm attack, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna edge that. Okay. That's 17. All right. So you lay down suppressive fire um, and Kuraga, uh retracts all of its vines and kind of tumbling with your drone body uh, uh, like kind of rolls itself so that it more or less avoids the cone of suppressive fire. Uh, you effectively made him go prone, uh, which means he gets like not a negative 17 modifier, <laughs> uh, but still a negative modifier. And uh, uh, with the struggle of your of your drone body, he manages to avoid the cone of fire, um, but seems relatively, uh, like, doing so has put him in a relatively um, disadvantageous position, making it a little easier for people to attack him.
4: He doesn't, like, drop
1: me, does he? No, he takes you with. <laughs> oh, that's not nice. Are you retaining, are you staying inside that body?
4: Yeah, I'm gonna go hop in Mouse's
1: deck. Okay. Whee! Uh- <laughs> Uh, you pull out of your, uh, drone enough so that it's not, you're no longer perceiving it as if you are jumped into it. You are now just, uh, a program running on it. Uh, and you see like the interior, like, uh, the, the network of organic, like weird neuron looking matrix streams, uh, being shattered and torn and ripped apart. Uh, all of those little like glowy lights are spinning around frantically trying to figure out what to do. And you realize this drone is about to kick it. I'm using that. And you, uh, you you kind of like, pin, you think about Mouse's deck and you see off in the distance uh, a little node that's like glowing and you just move away from that torrent of damage and destruction that is the like uh, is the matrix uh, entity of your uh, walker drone and you absorb yourself into the safety of Mouse's deck. Mouse, your AR display goes all wonky.
4: Hey, sorry, it's got it got real bad there. That's okay. Nim and Boomer
1: you are up.
5: Alright, I'm gonna cast bolt again at Force 8 Okay. Five hits. Okay. And I take two drain.
1: Okay, you uh, stumble back. I mean, there's just this, these whips of thorny vines like slashing into the wall around you, breaking and bending pipes. Uh, one like rips a grate out of the ground and tosses it at you. You duck under that and move to the side like avoiding some of uh, some of those vines and you channel up another uh, mana bolt and you uh, shoot it directly into Kiraga. And doing so like makes its uh, uh, all of the vines that it's using to hold onto things and try to pull itself up, like back in control, uh, like let go and like spin around. Uh, and you duck under those, and uh, you you can feel its its anchor to this earth, uh, to this world is so close to breaking. Uh, it's just going to take a little bit more damage, and then this thing dissipates. Boomer, what are you doing?
2: I'm going to do a uh, bullseye triple tap. I'm also going to use a pointer of edge. Okay. Nine.
1: You get six net hits.
2: 20 damage at minus 22 armor.
1: Nim hits it. It starts flailing, rolling around on the ground. Actually, you see half of Bumble's drone body, which is now just working on automated uh, commands, trying to extricate itself from this uh, from this crushing vines. You think if you wait even a second longer, uh, he's just going to get completely snapped into and broken and, and scrapped completely. Uh, you level your Barrett. You wait for a second, and you see as a bunch of the vines tense up in one spot, kind of like pulling uh, pulling Bumbles' uh, drone back in. And you let off three shots, shooting straight through it. Um, and doing so makes it let out a horrifying scream as uh, all of the vines holding onto Bumbles' uh, drone release, and the vines start slashing around crazily. Uh, I want everyone to roll um, a dodge test for me, except for you, Bumbles, because you're sitting in a deck. You're welcome. (laughs) Uh, You can roll for the swarm, though, to dodge. Uh, How many hits did you get, Mouse? Nine. How many hits did you get, Boomer? Seven. And Nim? Two hits. Okay. Nim, you take four stun damage uh, as part of the ceiling is ripped down and and hits you across the head uh it was mostly just like wet muddy maybe slightly irradiated (laughs) uh earth um but it it hits you across the head and like slams you down to the ground knocking the wind out of you and uh all of these vines begin untangling themselves from each other and as they like fall off of the main core they disappear into magical energy uh and you guys all duck and dive uh away from like the rubble that is coming down as like it, this chamber isn't caving in, but like Kuraga rips down a significant amount of it while he dies, and then whoosh, dissipates completely.
2: Rest in peace, Kuraga.
0: So uh, uh, I will jump into action and and try to heal some of Nim's damage.
4: Uh, I'm gonna go back into my RCC.
1: Okay. You command the walker drone. It steps. It stands up shakily. Uh, Many of its limbs crushed. A lot of its uh, like workings like leaking like hydraulic fluid.
0: Oh, bumbles don't move too much. I'll come over in a second.
1: Oh, I'm not. I'm not in there.
0: I mean, don't move it too much. Yeah, Uh, I'm
4: just. I'm just running diagnostics.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Mouse moves in to help Nim. What did you roll on first aid?
0: Uh, Eight.
1: Eight. Nim, you heal up six stun damage.
0: That helped a lot. Okay. And then I'm going to go over to drone Bumbles' body. Sure. And can I see if I can try to fix him at all?
1: Yeah. Uh, Bumbles, you said you were running diagnostics, right? So you can roll armor to assist her by like showing her like uh, where things are broken and giving her internal data. Sure. That's four hits. All right. You can add uh, four... To your dice pool or up to your skill in uh, armor?
5: Okay. I'd also like to cast heal on myself. Sure. At force four.
1: Go for it. Three hits. Okay.
0: Um, that's six hits.
1: It's going to take you time.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, but if you guys aren't in a huge rush, uh, maybe not six given the materials you have available to you, I think you can, heal, you can fix up Three of it, and use the rest of those hits to make it take less time.
0: Okay, I'll do that.
1: It will just take you a couple minutes, actually, to uh, use whatever spare parts Bumbles has on him uh, to patch it and do like a quick, like uh, you know, maybe just like, okay, we'll cut off the hydraulics of this and reroute them here. It's not perfect, but you can heal up three of the damage and uh, uh, not take too much time doing it.
4: Okay. Uh, Also, uh, the drone hands mouse my RCC. Uh, it seems like you should maybe
1: have this.
0: Oh, yeah. Um, and I'll put it in my pocket.
1: Yeah, you're not running on it or anything with, like that. He, uh, just, he just wants you to carry yeah, it
0: <laughs> with, with where my deck lives.
1: Yeah, you just put it, sidle it up right there next to the deck. So three damage. Yes. Uh, so Nim heals herself a little bit. Uh, Mouse does a quick patch job on uh, Bumbles' walker body mm-hmm. uh, to try and make it a little more functional. Uh, and now you guys are standing in this partially caved in, uh, uh, chamber, uh, below this industrial waste facility.
0: Uh, um, Boomer, are you hurt at all?
1: No, I'm good.
0: Okay.
4: You said it's a pretty hard climb, yeah? Yes. So, um, I guess I'll
1: just stand under the hole and shoot my grapple hand up. Sure. Uh, you look up, you see some rafters up above you in the room, uh, which is like dimly lit above you. And you just aim your hand and... Are they metal? Uh, yes.
4: I activate the electromagnet.
1: And, uh, you get a nice good grip as your, uh, as your gecko-tipped electromagnet hand grabs onto this rafter. It's not letting go. Uh,
4: everyone can climb on if you want to get up the easy
1: way. Maybe not all at once.
2: All right. Grabs on awkwardly.
1: Boomer piggybacks up uh, on the back of Bumble's Walker drone and you swing on up there and land um, in what looks like a chamber. It's, it's a large chamber um, with like four tier high uh, tall shelves with big metal drums in it. Um, there are toxic waste barrels cracked and leaking uh, in the corner. Um, and there's a computer-operated loading system uh, that still seems to have some power going to it. Um, and there's a console against the wall. It looks like a little scorched, and uh, and at this point, like this is the the peak of the radiation uh, that your buyer monitor is is identifying here. Um, and then there's nothing else in here except for a, a door, a large uh, door. Um, and uh, bumbles, you go back down and get the rest of the team. Yeah. Zip, zip. Uh, Bumbles carries the rest of you guys up and you're all in this room and uh, Nim, you're able to tell uh, this is this is where the trail ends.
5: Well, I can't say I'm surprised, but this is w- where he is was
1: also as soon as you get up here Nim, uh ascensing to make sure this is where the trail ends. It's. Way worse than that basement in Puyallup. You're at a negative ten uh background count here. Um as like you say that uh you, you say what you were just saying, and uh you're sensing this thing and like your your like words get choked up as like even though you know it's astral, you feel like you breathe in like uh just like toxic, malicious, sentient fumes. Uh and again your wrist burns as uh, as the glyphs are glowing kind of that like light blue and the uh mark of the great corruptor is glowing that sickening yellow
5: uh yeah this is definitely
0: the spot i um so this is a nuclear facility right uh
1: this is an industrial waste processing plant um so it doesn't have like a nuclear reactor
0: okay um but it would have like Maybe like a changing room, like a locker room, maybe with like rad suits?
1: Yes, definitely.
0: Okay. I want, I want one. Where yeah. are they?
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, they're in the same room. This is the room full of toxic barrels. So, uh, right nearby that computer console, there's a cabinet that you can open up, and it's got a few suits left in it. Probably not one that fits Boomer, but Boomer's kind of in a chem seal, anyways. Uh, but yeah, there's there's definitely one that's a little bit big for Mouse that you can put on, look a little comically like large. Um, and then there's one that would fit Nim also. Okay. And there's one that would fit Bumble's robot body.
4: Um, I'll- take one and then hey boomer can i have one of the guns you're not using or like planning on switching to on the fly i got my
1: sub gun sure okay so you take his submachine gun
4: yeah because the only other gun on this body comes out of the hand which seems counterintuitive to a rad suit
1: (laughs) fair enough
0: (laughs) um okay i'm gonna put on the rad suit um and then put my backpack over it okay um and then I'm gonna ask Nim if I can have the katana. Sure, sure, yeah, here. Okay, unless you wanna like connect to it no, and then I it's like really.
5: Well, no,
1: okay. I. Uh, nope, you take it. Cool. Okay, you're holding a katana now?
0: Yeah. I have double swords.
1: (laughs) Well, Um, one would puncture your rad suit. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And what do you do?
0: Um, And then there's a computer. I want it. I plug in.
1: (laughs) Okay. Uh, So you put on a data tap because you can't run your data jack through your rad suit. Yeah. (laughs) You tap in. It's a device rating five. Go ahead and roll a hacking test for me. Eight. Uh, You're able to tap into this. Uh, It has... Some functions still operational. Most of them just say, like, disable, disable, critical error, critical error. Um, Most of the controls for this are limited to just this room, it seems like. It's not, like, a huge, uh, like, host or anything that, like, maps out the the entire station. Um, uh, You do have control over the loader uh, dock, um, the lights, uh, and, importantly, there is a camera log that actually uh, has a recent entry from... About three days ago.
0: Um, yeah, I want to watch it.
1: All right. The video shows from a few different angles this room. Uh, cameras that when you look up, you see aren't there right now. Uh, but there's like three of the corners had cameras, apparently, according to this, uh, to this log. In the center of the room, backing away from this console, you see Kashmir. Uh, and he looks around, like marking each of the cameras. So you see in each, in all three feeds, like him make eye contact with the camera and see, like if a little light's on or something. Uh, and he go and he says uh, to the cameras, "Okay, she's coming.
3: This is it. I'll have to sense the last bit of her true name before she's done forcing me to summon Araga. He, he's powerful, but this ritual is supposed to bring him into this plane as a great form spirit." I can stop it. I I will stop it. As long as I have enough time to sense the rest of the formula. Oh, God's help me.
1: And then, as he says that, the lights flicker, and the room seems to rumble. And the camera feeds begin to have strange graphical errors. Static patches and image distortions, like, take up a lot of the screen. And amidst them, you see what looks like a translucent female form with black hair and a dress made of shadows Uh, appear in the center of the room. She seems to walk towards Kashmir, but it's hard to tell. Her image is inconsistent. You only get flashes of her movement during those static-filled image distortions. Otherwise, she's completely invisible to the cameras. Kashmir uh, immediately, and apparently unwillingly, drops to his knees, and then you hear a voice. It seems to echo and fill the room despite the lower quality of the uh, camera's uh, speakers. Look at you, my dear. The power dripping off of you is exactly what we need. Soon we'll be together, you and I. You see intermittent footage of her reaching down to place her hand under Kashmir's chin. He's lifted up as if he weighs nothing to her, and planted on his feet. "Do what we came here to do, darling Kashmir." Kashmir takes a few steps forward, each one with a little more hesitation. You see the image crackle and distort, revealing the figure of the woman moving behind him and wrapping her arms over his shoulders lovingly. Is there a problem? Kashmir turns his head. You assume to look at the woman in the face.
3: I, um, what will become of Iraga? What are you going to do with him? He's going
1: to open the door for me. You've grown so powerful, and now it's time to transfer that power to your ever-loyal Araga. How
3: do you know I'll be able to summon him? Uh, He hasn't answered me
1: since... Since... He hasn't abandoned you either. He just needs a little... Persuasion. That creature's adoration for you has bound him to you in unbreakable ways. We just need this little ritual to show him that he can give me the same loyalty he gives you so blindly. So, let's not waste any more time. The image distorts, and you see the form of the woman standing behind Kashmir, lifting his arms and beginning to guide him in the ritual. Runes and markings etched into the floor begin to glow, and there's a low humming sound. Kashmir tries to look back towards the woman again, and you see flashes of her as she violently grabs the back of his neck to stop him. Eyes forward, dear. We don't want to make any mistakes now, do we? The ritual continues. Some of the toxic leaks from the barrels around Kashmir begin to move upward and off the ground in thin streams, converging as a sphere above the center of the ritual circle. It's bubbling and undulating and glowing fiercely. Please, don't, don't make me do this! You damn fool! When have you ever had a choice? Now finish it! Kashmir visibly struggles against the movements of his own body. The toxic sludge floating uh, in the middle of the room seems to harden in the shape of an egg, which floats downwards to the ground gently as it begins to crack. Through the cracks, a sickening yellow light shines, and then suddenly, the egg bursts and the room is filled with that sickening yellow light. Kashmir drops to his feet, tears streaming down his face. Iraga's toxic form, enlarged and more horrific than, uh, than the last time you saw it, fills the room. His giant wings uh, made of billowing black smoke recklessly strafe the shelves of barrels, leaving them strewn about, breaking open some of them, making some of the puddles of toxic waste you now see. His entire body is still affecting the shape of a crane, and is made of this dark, billowing black smog, and within it, you see that same sick yellow light crackling like lightning in lightning storm clouds. His eyes glow bright like two headlights as he lets out a pained, echoing screech, and his large, taloned feet finally find purchase on the floor. Araka, please. Your little friend answers to me now, all thanks to you, my dear, sweet Kashmir. Kashmir is on his knees, sobbing, and you see flashes of the woman's form approaching Erraga, touching his beak gingerly. Kashmir looks up at the woman, focusing intently. Nim, you assume, sensing. There's just one more thing left to do. You see the woman appear again, turning back towards Kashmir, raising a hand. As she does, he floats into the air, arms and legs spread out as if lashed in shackles. Erraga just needs a little more strength to be able to provide me a gateway. And you wouldn't want to see all your hard work done for nothing, now would you, Kashmir? Kashmir says nothing, continuing to stare intently at where you last saw the woman standing. The things you've sacrificed for me, such a sweet little creature. I hope you understand, I do appreciate everything you've done, but... Eraga is hungry, aren't you, dear? Eraga shuffles and screeches that pained screech again. Look how beautiful you've become, so, so hungry. Luckily... Kashmir here has been made ripe for you. Araga shuffles forward, his giant form brushing up against the edges of the room, and the large, sharp, shadowy form of his beak slowly approaches Kashmir. Araga, wait! Eat up! Araga lets out an ear-splitting screech, drowning out Kashmir's screams as the light from Araga's eyes becomes brighter, hotter, and begins to engulf Kashmir. The last you see of Kashmir before he's completely covered by the sick yellow light is him struggling against his invisible restraints. As the light intensifies, the vid feed begins to break down. Two of the cameras seem to explode by the surge of energy, and one breaks off of its hardpoint and falls on its side with a slight view of the scene. Uh, Looking over to that corner, you see it still laying there. The light fades and Kashmir is gone. The smoke that makes Araga's form begins bellowing more and more violently. That gross yellow lightning begins arcing out away from his body, blowing out the lights, igniting a puddle of the waste, and you hear that echoing voice again. He's a part of you now. He served me, and now you serve me. You will go where I tell you, and you will begin opening a gate. Do you understand? Araga shifts and screeches and lowers his head. Good. Now go. In a flash of electric energy and yellow light, the smoky body of Araga rushes inward and then vanishes. And the feed sits there and eventually it turns off and that's where we'll end this session. Holy shit. That's real bad.
0: This podcast has been brought to you by ENPC Productions. All rights reserved. The Essential NPCs podcast is not affiliated with, endorsed, sponsored, or specifically approved by the Tops Company Incorporated. Shadowrun is a trademark of the Tops Company Incorporated. All rights reserved. Go to www.shadowruntabletop.com for more information.